0: Everybody, we say hello to you here on game day. Not only is it game day in the state of Iowa, it's game day in the NFL as well with Trent's Bears matched up against the Green Bay Packers. But man, oh man, what a scene tonight coming up in Ames. It is Big 12 conference play between Texas and Iowa State. Trent, how are you, my man?
1: Oh, I am doing incredibly well, Jimmy B. So I go to bed last night. Got the TV on, the uh, Twins had already lost, the Angels were beating the White Sox, but uh, I take a little peek back at the White Sox game, and oh, White Sox have closed the gap. Oh, (laughs) it's going to extra innings. Oh, they win on a walk-off, so uh, flipped on Fox Sports North for a while, they showed some of the celebration as the Minnesota Twins. My team, you know, uh, it's a long, long summer, Jimmy B., They make it to the playoffs, fresh off 103 losses last year. I watched most of it throughout the year. I still don't know how it happened.
0: I have no idea how it happened either, especially when you were so down on them. uh, When they went through that uh, edge, uh, what, in late June, I guess it was? July. July. July started unloading players, and you you had pretty much thrown your hands up. And, uh, here they are in the playoffs. And also clinching last night, the National League Central Division, the defending World Series champion, Chicago Cubs, with a win over St. Louis in the Cardinals' home park.
1: So, uh, yeah, fun night of baseball, fun night of celebrations. I don't know. I, I still get a kick out of the celebrations. And, and, yeah, it feels a little bit different when it's your team, but uh, a bunch of guys out there, a bunch of adults acting like kids, and they're hopping around, and they're yeah. spraying beer and champagne all over each other. I still get a <laughs> kick out of it. You're, you're not an old curmudgeon about that. You'd like to have a celebration party like that, I'm sure.
0: I love stuff like that. I really do. I love to see adults, when they, when they accomplish something as great as those two teams just did, have that sort of celebration because it does bring the kid out in you, And it lets you be a kid for a couple of hours and enjoy it until you realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm uh, 28, 29 years old here. i got to get back to acting like an adult again. So from that standpoint... I love those kind of celebrations. You
1: bet. Uh, I I love this part, too. I see since the Twins played uh, this morning, they started at 11 o'clock this morning in uh, their series finale against the Indians, uh, a team that they might see come playoff time if they can beat the Yankees more than likely in that one-game wild-card scenario. So they're partying last night. They're having a good time. They slept in the locker room last night. Didn't even go back to the hotel. Players just stayed in the locker room since they had an early, early wake-up call today. That's great. That's
0: great. See now, that's being a kid, right? That's what we. That's what we would do. We would do some crazy thing like that. That's let see. That's half the fun. People don't get it. I know it's professional sports and the guys are paid big dough, but it's still a game, Trent. It's still a game. And when you're on the field and you're caught up in the moment that kid in you comes back out. And and it's you you just you never lose that, I don't think. I, I don't think athletes really, really get that gene totally out of their system. So when that takes place, you saw the reaction last night in both locker rooms, and that's great. They just slept in the <laughs> locker room. You gotta love that.
1: Uh, no doubt about it. Well, Jimmy B, uh, now just one race, one one spot available to get into the playoffs is nine of the ten spots have been clinched. Colorado going into play today. Milwaukee's playing this afternoon. Uh, they will uh, be either two or three games back, depending on the final of that one. Colorado, though, looks uh, pretty solidly in there. We'll get Arizona Colorado for the wildcard game in the National League on Tuesday night. It'll be the Yankees and the Twins more than likely. We did not get a real compelling race here at the end of baseball.
0: No, it, it kind of dwindled away. Look, you and I both stated we felt that the Cubs had the best talent and they would eventually find a way to win, and they did. It just took them a long time but from that standpoint it's i guess kind of uh, it doesn't have the same sort of i guess fire at the end where on the last day you still have two spots that are open mm-hmm. and and you have a couple of teams playing to try to get into those spots so i guess it it, it's not going to have the same impact as it has maybe the last couple of seasons
1: and a little disappointing because sunday more than likely is not going to mean anything and uh the sunday in the nfl is not very good so i was hopeful that well not a great nfl slate maybe we'll at least have some compelling baseball games happening as they play all those games now about the same time they all uh, our time they have first pitch right around two o'clock West Coast games, East Coast games, everybody goes at the same time, but uh, there's just not going to be a whole lot to watch, so guess I'm going to have to be watching, I don't know, Dolphins-Saints, uh, Cleveland-Cincinnati, not a great slate of games on Sunday. Hey, you can watch the President's Cup and watch golf. No, good God, no. That, that sounds even worse. <laughs> I'll watch baseball games that don't mean anything over that. Get out of here with the president. <laughs> I just Cup. thought
0: I'd throw I just <laughs> thought I'd throw that out for it. I was just trying to be helpful, pal. You well, know me.
1: Well before that we do have a lot of compelling football to get into, including tonight Texas Iowa State Jimmy B we got a lot to talk about there. Danny Davis, the beat writer for the Austin Statesman. He'll be by getting us a perspective on the Longhorns. Here in our number one, we'll be talking with Pete Mundo from Heartland College Sports, get his thoughts on what's happening. So a lot of looks today at the Big 12 in Iowa State and Texas tonight. Uh, Environment should be good, already hearing people making their way up there. Full day of tailgating. Mm -hmm. Take that Thursday, maybe even take Friday off if you're partying too hard tonight.
0: Well, look, it's going to be a great scene at Jack Trice Stadium. It'll be sold out. The game will be absolutely nuts. Now you just have to hope, like, this game lives up to the hype. And this game, Trent, is so important for both teams. Iowa State absolutely, positively needs to win this game if indeed they envision any possible way of getting to six wins and making a bowl game. Mm -hmm. For Texas, they're coming off that disappointing loss at USC where it looked like they were going to beat the Trojans in Los Angeles only to lose it in OT on the field goal. But Texas is in in that kind of where-are-they-now mode with a brand-new coach. They're still trying to kind of get everything together and figure it out, but for Iowa State, this game is critical in their quest to get the six wins.
1: It will be I don't see a scenario where Iowa State loses this game tonight where they can get to six wins. I just it's hard to carve out four more victories with the remaining schedule that they have ultra important important for texas too Uh, they they need to get on the winning side of things Uh, it's one thing to lose a game to usc but it's another at least in terms of perception for a program like texas to lose a football game like this so we'll be keeping an eye on that one a lot of preview here uh, throughout the show this afternoon and uh also we got a little nfl game tonight jimmy b the bears don't have any chance do they
0: well, I think they have a chance. I mean, look, it's the NFL. Yeah, I mean, any yeah. team any time you walk on the field, you got a shot, you know that. But in all actuality, no. I think it's Green Bay's game. I think Aaron Rodgers uh, will get it going, and I think the uh, Pack will win this game. I'm saying, well, maybe by ten points or so. What the line is? What a touchdown, seven, Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. in there. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I like I like the Pack to win this game by ten. So I'd, I'd put a double digit win
1: on this for Green Bay. Got you, Jimmy B. Well, we're going to take an early break here as we got waiting in the bullpen. Our first guest of the day, he is Pete Mundo. Covers the Big 12 at Heartland College Sports. you also hear him with his updates on CBS Sports Radio throughout the day. Pete Mundo will join us coming up on the other side. Here until 6 o'clock, the countdown to kickoff. 7 o'clock tonight, it's Iowa State and Texas from Jack Trice Stadium. Back with more here in a moment on Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back, everybody.
0: We continue giving you complete game coverage of Texas and Iowa State set for tonight in Ames as the Iowa State Cyclones will host the Texas Longhorns. Pete Mundo, CBS and Heartland College Sports, is our guest. He comes to us on the Drafthouse 50 hotline. Pete, are you jacked up for this game tonight?
2: I'll tell you what, guys, a weekday game in Ames. I mean, we all know the most famous one, of course, was the Friday night game six years ago against Oklahoma State. But this is uh, this is a lot of fun. Jack Trice is going to be rocking. You guys know that. And I think it's going to be a, a fantastic game between these two teams. There's a lot on the line, not in terms of national or even Big 12 standings-wise, but just in terms of these two teams and these two programs under relatively new head coaches, kind of making their mark and, and making their stamp and getting a, a win for Texas to be a really solid road win over an improving Iowa State team. For Iowa State, it'd be an enormous win over the flagship program in this uh, conference, despite the fact that Texas has been down for several years. Uh, they have the prime time slot. It's really the biggest game on TV tonight at the college level, and uh, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun.
1: Well, oh, Pete, you know, uh, I've been warning Iowa State fans, if they pull off this upset, and I do believe Iowa State is going to win this football game coming up tonight, but if they do, when do you flip on SportsCenter afterwards, and you're watching Scott Van Pelt, and you're watching all those things, the conversation is not about Iowa State turning the corner. The national conversation is going to be about the Longhorns, and that's just the way it is. It's kind of the price of doing business. We know the affiliation with Texas, all those different things, but... Is a bigger story at a, a Big 12 level if Iowa State wins this game, becoming halfway to Bull eligibility, and, and maybe Matt Campbell is building something special at Iowa State. If they get it done, should that actually be more of the perspective that people are looking at?
2: Well, I, you know, it's always going to be Texas first, and, and you noted that um, trend. So. I wouldn't be too concerned about that because Iowa State's never going to take the headlines away from the Texas Longhorns. And even if ESPN wasn't in bed with Texas, here's the reality. Texas is a national brand. Uh, Even if it had nothing to do with the Longhorn Network and that relationship, the question is going to be if they lose this game is, what's wrong with Tom Herman? Why is he not getting the results early on? Um, The loss to Maryland, the loss to USC, now the loss to Iowa State, if it were to happen tonight. A one-in-three start, I mean, you know, Charlie Strong could do that. What's the point of bringing this guy in? And you can tell me the growing pains and this, that, the next thing. There's still a ton of four- and five-star talent on this roster. And when coaches say, I need my guys, all that is is a, is a nonsense line to buy themselves time. That's all that is from these coaches. So, yeah, the headlines are going to be about Texas. But if you're Iowa State and you pull off this upset tonight, you look at this season as a legitimate chance to get back to being bowl eligible, which I think if you're Iowa State, a realistic year-in, year-out goal can be, I think we can make a bowl game this year. And then maybe once every five, six years you have that kind of magical season where you're competing in the top um, third in the Big 12 Conference, You know, maybe every 10 years, whatever it might be. But if Matt Campbell gets this program to the point where every year Iowa State fans can say, we got a good chance at a bowl game this year. I think that's a job well done.
0: We're having a conversation with Pete Mundo on the Draft House 50 Hotline Mills Civic Parkway at West Des Moines. And then let me follow up, Pete, with what you just said about that. It's my gut feeling that the fandom in Texas will once again just roll around in the mud if indeed Texas loses this game tonight at Iowa State. And you made the reference about how coach speak about getting my guys. Would that put, and I know we've only, this is his first season, but would the rumblings already begin on Tom Herman if that's the case? Could you see that already with the amount of money that Texas is already paying out in dead, in dead contracts?
2: Uh, No, I I don't think so. I I think they really want Tom Herman to succeed. We can argue whether or not they wanted Charlie Strong to succeed. I think there's people there that did not in Austin. But they really want Tom Herman to succeed. Um, They'll be disappointed. They'll be upset. But, uh, you know, the the guy's making, what, $5 million a year. He's got a four- or five-year contract. There's no way, even with Texas' money, there's no way they're eating that contract. Um, at this point, especially if you look at the big picture, there's going to be so many guys. Um, I think openings, of big time openings across college football, from Tennessee to A and M, maybe UCLA, Missouri. Uh, you know, Texas. This is not the job market to be competing for a, a big time college football coach. Even though Texas can do it, you know, Tom Herman's the guy. If we're sitting here in 2018 and they're off to a one and three start. Then, yeah, I think we have, uh, we might have a problem. But right now, I think it's just going to be more disappointment from Texas fans. And yeah, they'll be annoyed. But at least the realistic and the reasonable ones of which they're, you know, granted they're few and far between down in Austin. The ones that are will realize that they're, they're in this for the next, uh, three, four years with Tom Herman at the helm.
1: Well, let's take a look, uh, Pete, with you at the Big 12 as a whole. Move off the Texas-Iowa State game coming up, seven o'clock kickoff on ESPN. Kind of a a weird slate of games overall this week. In fact, just two games on Saturday, Baylor K-State and Oklahoma State making their way to Texas Tech. I'm excited about that second one, but scheduling-wise, how did it break this way? Do you have any idea? Well, I I think with
2: when you look at where the Big 12 is, it's kind of weird because they had all these bye weeks early in the season and then everyone's going to play all the way through to the Big 12 championship game. And I think the the linchpin here is the Big 12 championship game, which, of course, that weekend used to be another regular season game for the Big 12 in recent years. So now the bye weeks are essentially gone for the Big 12. That second bye week is gone because they're playing a championship game. they got to fit that regular season game that was there somewhere else in the season, taking away one of those bye weeks. So. I think it's weird how the Big 12 schedule did kind of shake out uh, this season. Everyone's got that bye week in mid or, you know, if you're Texas Tech, it was week two. But usually mid to late September, maybe early October. I'm not a huge fan of it. A lot of these teams are playing eight, nine games in a row now. Um, I'd like to see that break spread out through, uh, you know, late September through early November. Maybe they can change that as they move forward because this Big 12 championship game did kind of throw things for a loop. But it is what it is for now, and the teams are going to have to adjust. And unlike the SEC, they're not all playing an FCS program in mid-November, which kind of doubles down as a bye-week. So Big 12 is going to be uh, grinding all the way through, and it's not necessarily going to be easy.
0: Pete Mundo is our guest here on the Draft House 50 Hotline. Heartland College sports, always great stuff from Pete. As, as far as you take a look at the the big 12 we've got a couple of surprises i think everybody pete thought oklahoma would be at the top like they are and i i think trent and i both felt that tcu was going to be pretty good but my question to you are they really good
2: yes yes jimmy they are really really good uh they got the best defense in the conference um kenny hill is realizing he does not have to do it all for this team and this program to uh, succeed at a high level and they have a fantastic stable of running backs Darius Anderson may be the best running back in the country nobody knows yet outside of TCU and and some Big 12 fans so this is uh an exciting time for the Horn Frogs and now they're in the driver's seat you know the, the the best game of the Big 12 schedule as of right now is not Bedlam it is TCU at Oklahoma a week later on November 11th that's the game to watch and I really believe that um the Horn Frogs are going to have a lot of success and could very well find themselves in the Big 12 championship game with a chance to make it to the college football playoff. This team is legit and if it keeps to the formula it had this last month, uh, I'd be worried if I was any program in the Big 12.
1: Well, in Texas Tech, now they get their shot at Oklahoma State after TCU got it Mm -hmm. a week ago. They get the victory against Houston. That defense getting better. You look at yards per play. They're still giving up plenty of yards, but that's to be expected with the style and the tempo that they play at. But yards per game certainly improved. And most importantly, they're generating turnovers. How good is this Texas Tech team? I I don't think they're obviously a contender to get to the Big 12 championship game. But could they go 8-4 and four this year? Is it, is it that much of an uptake or, uh, up- uptick for Clingsbury's crew?
2: I don't see that kind of an uptick. Um, they're better, obviously. They're going to make a bowl game, I think. But eight wins seems like a lot. I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit this weekend against Oklahoma State. The defense has improved, but I haven't seen an offense anywhere close to what they're going to see on Saturday night. That being said, I you know this is good for Cliff Kingsbury. I want to see him succeed. I think it's good for the Big 12 if Texas Tech is competitive and has a quality program. I mean, think back to the Mike Leach heyday. It's fun when Texas Tech is good. Lubbock is an interesting place. It's a fun place for a you know a night game, especially. You think of all the dramatic moments from Michael Crabtree's catch against Texas, is mm-hmm. uh, the one that really stands out. Jones AT&T Stadium gets rocking when things are going well. So. I think it's good for the conference for Tech to be good. Eight and four good, I don't see that, but I certainly think this team is going to be back in a bowl game, and that ultimately does save Cliff Kingsbury's job.
0: Pete, I'm real curious about the overall state of the conference. Uh We had this great debate whether they should expand or not expand. They ended up doing a dog and pony show and made schools jump through hoops, which I thought was just god-awful, and then told them all to go to hell. Is it a case now where they're going to have their playoff game? Does this save the conference, or... Could it be a case where Oklahoma's undefeated, they're in the playoff game, and they get beat by TCU, who has one loss already, and they lose on a last-second field goal, and then nobody gets in from the Big Twelve?
2: I, I think certainly that could happen, Jimmy, and I, you know I hope that doesn't happen in year one. I think overall, over a, an extended period of time, this will be a positive for the Big Twelve because. First off, it gives the Big 12 credibility. They kind of got lost in recent years on Championship Saturday. You know, last year I was at the Baylor-West Virginia game, which obviously had no playoff implications, but it's weird when these teams were all playing regular season games, many of which had little meaning, and the rest of the conferences are playing conference championship games with major expectations and implications. So I look at this as, yes, they could totally screw over the Big 12, but I think overall... Let's say TCU and Oklahoma each have one loss. They go into that game, a couple of top-ten teams. Winner's going to have a great win on their resume, under their belts, impressing the uh, college football playoff committee on the final Saturday, which you won't be able to say for a lot of these other conferences. Look at the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten East is great, and let's say it's whoever, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, one of those three, make it out of that side of the bracket as we expect. The Big Ten West stinks. I mean, Wisconsin's good. Wisconsin doesn't have a single ranked opponent on its schedule all season. So they might go in undefeated, but we're all going to know that's going to be a flimsy resume that they'll have to that point in time. So uh, the Big 12 was wise to not break it up into divisions, which they could have done, because that would have hurt, I think, the credibility of the Big 12 conference title game. The Big 12 has a true round-robin schedule, and it's championship game are guaranteed to be the best two teams. Nobody else in America can say that or even come close to making that case, which I think should help this conference come Selection Sunday.
1: Pete, we'll let you go as we come full circle. Back to tonight. Prediction, Iowa State hosting Texas. What do you have?
2: I think the Longhorns it out a 38-35 type of game. Um, what concerns me about Iowa State in this one is that Ultimately, Texas has the better athletes. We all know that, and getting those guys in space. You know, Joel Lenning's getting better at linebacker, but you even saw those moments against Iowa, where the better athletes in Iowa, the quicker, the faster guys had their way with that linebacking group of the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just concerned that if those guys do find themselves in some space, some jump down underneath passes, whatever it might be. Uh, that Iowa State secondary and that back seven is is going to have its struggles. So I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's going to be a really fun atmosphere. But in the end, I'm picking the Longhorns by a field goal.
1: Going with Texas to get it done. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Pete, as always, great catching up with you. We'll do it again soon. Anytime, guys.
0: Thank you, Pete, as he comes to us on the Draft House 50 Hotline Mills Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. He's always a great guest. And, by the way, uh, his Heartland College sports, it's all on the Big 12. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a
1: great sight if you're a Big 12 fan. Uh, no doubt about it. Well, we'll go from some Big 12 talk on the other side. We're going to talk some Big 10. we got Ken Silverstein stopping by next here as we roll through. Countdown to kickoff continues. 7 o'clock, Iowa State, Texas tonight. We'll talk a little Big Ten though on the other side. Ken Silverstein next on Jimmy B and T C.
0: Welcome back. We continue all the way till six o'clock as we take you through drive time and get you ready for the big game tonight in Ames between the Longhorns and the Cyclones. But we're going to shift gears right now and do a little Big Ten conversation. Big Ten conference insider Ken Silverstein is our guest. He joins us on the Draft House 50 Hotline, Mills Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Kenny, how are you, man?
3: I'm doing well, guys. Uh, it was a tremendous uh, weekend. Looking forward to uh, the upcoming uh, upcoming week of play. It should be exciting. Um, it's been a hell of a season so far.
0: It, it has been. Let me start first, and we'll go back before we head forward into the coming weekend with you, uh, to the Iowa and Penn State game. And Saquon Barkley put on a display which automatically, according to all the national pundits, uh, jumped him into first place for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, look, we all knew that he was good. Kenny, did you think he was that good?
3: Yeah, no, I, I thought he was that good. And I, I think he uh, obviously dominated the game. I was surprised he did the ball in the last play because i got to believe that's what I was thinking because that's what I would have been thinking. And obviously they squeezed it into the uh, back of the end zone. Um, look, um, he's really good. He's going to be a top. 5-8 pick uh, coming up in the NFL draft. He's gone. There's no way he's coming back. Um, while watching the game, and I, I thought it was a great setting. I just thought it popped on TV. I think the fans should be quite proud. I thought the, the noise level was great. I thought the, uh, the wave obviously, the tradition to um, uh, the kids who obviously are fighting an uphill battle uh, at the cancer center was tremendous. I thought ABC did a nice job Uh, With that, other than the outcome on the last play for Iowa, I thought it couldn't have been any better, I mean, quite frankly. But back to Barkley, while watching the game, and I've seen him play a bunch, obviously you guys have seen him play a bunch, I'm trying to find a comparison, and the one that popped to me is Zeke Elliott, and is he better than Zeke Elliott of the last few years. and
1: Yes, yes, he yes. is. I, you think he's <laughs> yeah, better? Yeah, a lot better, Ken. I, Ezekiel Elliott was an incredible player, there's no doubt. Saquon Barkley is the best college football player I've seen in person, and and I've been to a lot of games throughout the years. He is incredible to see. It's one thing to see him on television. Until yeah. you see him in person, Ken, he is different. Well, level. I
3: have seen him in person against Ohio State the last couple of years, and they've done a pretty good job against him. Again, they got great talent. Ohio State, right. and they should stop even elite players uh, like him. In last year's game, I don't even think he got 100 yards uh, on the ground. They basically took him out. Uh, the guy who had the big game was the quarterback, McSurley, threw a bunch of 50-50 balls, and they were fortunate from PSU standpoint to come up with a player, two, and then a blocked field goal was the difference in the game, and kudos to them for doing that. Um, I don't know if he's better than Elliott, and, I, and and part of the reason, maybe this is my issue, um <laughs> Elliot's the best running back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And until I see uh, Barkley do that at the same level, I don't think he's, he's as good. Now, that may not be fair because we're dealing maybe with an ingredient that doesn't need to be thrown into the cake mix in regards to what Elliott's been able to do um, last year, particularly uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. But I, they are very, very, very comparable. I think Elliot is a tad faster Um I've seen Elliott do it against Alabama. Okay. Who I still consider to be the best team in college football. I've never seen Barkley do it against a team like Alabama. So look, I, I, I see where you're coming from and I, it's hard to argue it, but um, I'm going to say by a hair and I'm in a small hair uh, because of what I've seen at the NFL level. And granted Barkley's not there yet. So I, it's, I don't know what Barkley's going to do at the NFL level. I think I know what he's going to do, but until you do it, it's it's not comparable. If everything's equal, I'm going to go with that Alabama game. That If you look at what Alabama had on the field defensively and how many of those guys were high picks and major players in the NFL right now, um, if everything is equal, slight edge to, to uh, Elliott. But, look, Barkley is really, really good. He's going to win the Heisman. Uh, and, uh, um, you know what? Uh, good luck to anybody trying to stop them, uh, the rest of the year. Good luck to Indiana this week. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Indiana's got to stop them. They're <laughs> not. So good luck to the Hoosiers, uh, because they're the next scalp, uh, for Penn State. You, you uh, know what's funny, Ken?
1: Is last year uh, against Ohio State, just for reference, 12 carries, 99 yards, average 8.3 a carry last year against the Buckeyes. But the one team, well, there's two teams that actually slowed down Barkley last year. One of those two teams was the Hoosiers. He had 33 carries for 58 yards against Indiana last year. Yeah, you're
3: right. I remember, you know what? I mean, That's a great point, Trent. Thank you for, you know, I, I forgot about I don't know how they did it. No, I, I don't either. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he was overcoming. I think he's had some ankle issues in yes. the past. Yep. Uh, and maybe, um, and I'm stretching here because I don't really remember. I, I can't come up with a reason other than an injury and not a serious injury because he wouldn't have played. But that's the only thing I can think of because I use pretty good defensively, but they're not. We're not talking Alabama. No, yet, exactly. Okay? We're not talking LSU. We're not talking the Big Ten. You know, your elite teams here. So, I mean, IU has been able to get to bowl games the last few years, particularly with Kevin Wilson in charge with the offense being the key and the defense sort of, you know, trailing behind. Now with, with Coach Allen, um, maybe it's a little bit more now 50-50. Okay. Uh, the defense has improved with Tom Allen as head coach because he's a defensive quarter coordinator by nature, uh, with the resume that Coach Allen has. So I uh, look, they, <laughs> If he doesn't get 150 or more, I will be shocked. Uh, coming up on Saturday, I mean, I he smells Heisman guys, and when you smell Heisman, unless you can't play, they're going to give him the ball. They'll play play action and throw it downfield. And um, I don't think Penn State's going to lose. Well, they got a tough stretch coming up. They got Michigan and Ohio State. If my memory serves me correctly, back to back, and that ain't going to be no picnic for them. But uh, until they get to Michigan, Ohio State. Uh nobody's gonna be uh stopping Penn State at
0: this point. Ken Silverstein is our guest. We're talking Big Ten on the draft house fifty hotline. All right, Ken. Uh tomorrow night uh it features Nebraska at Illinois. And you got an Illinois team now with Lovey Smith trying to get better. A Nebraska team where it looks like the wheels have come off the bus and they ax the A D. Dave Remington takes over. Uh, we all remember him from his playing days at Nebraska and then a longtime center in the NFL as well. But he's interim, even though the writing on the poster was so small you could barely see interim when they uh, put it up there. What do you got going for Nebraska at Illinois tomorrow night?
3: First of all, I got a, I got a little bit of a hunch that Scott Frost is going to be the head coach. Okay, As sooner <laughs> yeah. than later. Um, yeah, I mean this is, look, Illinois is not very good. That's an understatement. Um, Nebraska better, better win this game, or the pitchforks will be um, in overdrive. Let's say it's already ugly. It's going to get uglier if they would lose to uh, Illinois. Losing to Illinois in basketball is one thing uh losing to Illinois in football is another thing. I uh, obviously it's a road game, I get that. Uh but this better be a W. Uh they have better players. Um look just stop throwing interceptions, okay? Keep it simple. Run the football. Deacon dunk on the passing game. Stop throwing it downfield for the time being. Build the confidence of Tanner Lee and maybe by November uh things start to get going in the right direction for um uh Nebraska. But for the time being this would be I mean it's one thing to lose to Northern Illinois and that ain't very good. That's an understatement. But you better not lose to Illinois, even though it's a conference foe because they're not I don't care if they're two and one. Uh they're not very good. They don't have the talent level uh to compete with the mid level or higher uh not only in the West but forget about the East. So um they better win. Again, just run the football. Right, let's keep it let's not come come on, coach. Just keep it simple here. Hand the ball off. Use more than one back. I realize Mike Rozier is not on campus, and others, other great Nebraska running backs are not on campus. I get that, but you got you got a couple guys. Run the ball, dink and dunk, and 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 get out of there with a W. Because you better get out of there with a W, because it would be totally embarrassing if you don't get out of there uh, with a victory.
1: Can uh, Nebraska on a Friday night? Uh, Illinois has to kind of bite the bullet and take that Friday night game. It, it seems like more and more rumblings continue to see come out that this Friday night deal. There might be a few of these games, but not the package that Delaney uh, initially maybe wanted.
3: Yeah, this, we, we we ripped on this when this first came out, guys. Mm-hmm. You remember our conversation? This is this is a disgrace. It's it's a money grab, which is what Delaney is all about, I mean, I could do hours on delaying that. We'll leave that for another day and so forth. Um, this is a stab in the back to high school coaches, the kids, their families, uh, et cetera, the fan bases of these local high schools, whether it's – it doesn't make a difference where it is. If it's, if it's a footprint of the Big Ten, it's a slap in the face from A to Z, all 26 letters. So um, we need to be phasing this puppy out. Um this is I mean yeah, if you're a Nebraska fan and alum, whatever, this is important. If you're an Illinois fan, alum, I get it. But other than that, I'm not sure that anybody even knows this game is being played, quote, nationally, okay? Uh part of that is because Nebraska is where they're at right now in Illinois, uh is you know, has a long way to go and that's an understatement. So um yeah, they need to do quite frankly get rid of it. This is one of Delaney's worst ideas. Um, you can come up with a few others over the years, but this one, uh, is not a good one and hopefully will be gone, uh, in the next couple of years. Sage it out totally and let's just play. I don't mind the Thursday night game to begin the season like we saw on Labor Day weekend for uh, this past year, Ohio State Indiana. I don't, I don't mind that because you're getting out early to the start of the season, and you're going to get national TV, Mm -hmm. and as long as it's a marquee program playing another Big Ten team, I don't have a problem with that one game because you're getting out in front of everybody, hint, hint, the SEC. Okay, like that, good marketing, good positioning. But this crap, pardon my French, uh, is ridiculous. It's just flat-out ridiculous. It's it's, It's a disgrace, and it needs to go away
0: as soon as possible. Ken Silverstein is our guest on the Draft House Fifty Hotline. All right, Kenny, uh, Wisconsin—they host Northwestern. Northwestern got hammered at Duke. Wisconsin seems to have really found itself now and really starting to pound on people. In your estimation, you still have them penciled in as the top team in the West?
3: Yeah, I do. I do. Um, they can run the ball. What else do I mean? They, you know, you look at their roster and you go. Who's this guy? Oh, okay, he was a three star. Okay, look at, put him in the pillars of Wisconsin, and run them behind these big boys up front and a little play action, you know, with a left handed quarterback and you're able, you know, to play real well. Look, they're going to win the division. Um, I don't think they're going to beat anybody from the East, whether it's Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, or any order you want to put them in. Um, I still, I've gone back and watched, who knows how many times, last year's championship game and, Quite frankly, it was disgraceful from a Wisconsin standpoint defensively. Uh, they got torched. Um, I think Penn State's better, uh, particularly if they have to face Penn State in a rematch. So, uh, I think they're going to win the West. Um, I think I was better than I thought they would be. Uh, look, give a lot of credit to Nathan Stanley. He's done a really nice job. Look at the touchdowns that I and T's that may be the stat that jumps off the board 12 and one. I don't know if you can continue at that rate. That would be remarkable. But through what, three, four games of the year, those are big time numbers when you look touchdowns INT. So I think Iowa is better than I thought. Nebraska is worse than I thought. I don't know about Minnesota at this point. Um, they're perfect, but they haven't really played anybody particularly. So yeah, it's, it's Wisconsin's division, uh, to win. And I, they would have to have numerous injuries to key guys. Uh, and they've had some injuries, particularly on their defensive front seven, and linebacker particularly, uh, that have uh, slowed them down a little bit. But they're still the best, and uh, I think they'll beat uh, Northwestern. I'm obviously a Pat Fitzgerald fan. I think uh, he's done a nice job with the program, but I think this is a huge mountain to climb, particularly uh, in Madtown. So I don't see it. I think, um, uh, in this case, Wisconsin will be 4-0 uh, on the year 1-0 in conference.
1: Well, and an important one with our local team, also as you have, obviously Iowa now going on the road to Michigan State. Question is, can the Hawkeyes bounce back from that devastating loss, do it on the road, and, and certainly a very important game after what happened to Michigan State last week, what happened to Iowa last week. Neither of these teams can really afford a win, uh, a loss this week, but one of them is going to have one uh, late Saturday afternoon into the evening.
3: Yeah, no, it is a very important game, and I think you set it up perfectly. Yeah, when I saw the schedule, the first thing that popped in my brain was LJ Scott. Oh my goodness. Oh jeez. Could you could you could you could you just stop him like an inch or two from the end zone, please? Uh yeah, you know what? And LJ Scott had a huge game last year against Ohio State where they almost won that game uh in Sparty World, better known as East Lansing. And uh you know, so I'm thinking, okay, I've seen a little bit of Michigan State this year. So I looked at his numbers and they're not and they're okay, four point two average, but He's not lighting it. I'll be second on the team in rushing, believe it or not. Uh, so, um, but I still think if I was going to beat him, um, I think one of the keys will be stopping that running game. And LJ Scott is one of their key guys. Um, the quarterback play, it's spotty. Okay. I mean, I, he makes some plays, but it, the fumble last last year, the fumble last week against Notre Dame hurt. Um, He's not Connor Cook. Who he's not Kirk Cousins, but he's okay. Um, he's a step down for sure from McSorley, who obviously Iowa saw last week. He's more than a step down because McSorley is the best quarterback right now in what is a uh, not real good Big Ten quarterback play in general. If you think of the NFL draft in years to come, um, yeah, I I think I will find a way to win. I, I don't know. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Uh, they may just just get them by a field goal. I, I don't, you know, does really make a difference as long as you win. Uh Iowa showed. Look, they, they didn't have the talent of Penn State. Okay, no one's as good as Barkley. Um, you know, if you just look at from recruiting standpoint, Penn State's got better players uh, across the board. But you got to give Iowa a lot of credit. They they hang around. They hang around. They hang around and. If it wasn't Penn State or if it wasn't Barkley playing out of his mind, they'd win that game, and they may win it by more than most people um, might have thought. So um I think they get out of there somehow. It, it, it's probably going to be pretty ugly, okay, but I don't think they really care. Uh I think they get out of there with a very, very narrow win because uh, I'm still not convinced that Michigan State is out of last year's funk. I think they're a little bit out of it, mm-hmm. but I don't think they have two feet off the curb yet and I think last week showed it. Uh, The score's a little deceiving. I don't think, when you look at the Notre Dame score, I don't think Notre Dame was that much better than they are. Uh, If you just look at the score, but turnovers killed Michigan State, so if they have a couple and Iowa can take advantage of it, I think they get out of uh, uh, Spartan Stadium with a W. They're going to be close, but I think uh, uh, they'll leave in their market uh, one-on-one in confidence.
0: Ken Silverstein is our guest. Kenny, we'll let you go on this. And it appears now that fallout in college basketball is going to get even worse. Uh, look, you've covered college hoops for a long time. You've covered Rick Patino, You've covered all of the top coaches. Uh, just kind of give me in about a minute and a half your uh, synopsis of where all this is going to end, if it does end.
3: No, I don't think it's done. I don't think it's done by any any stretch of the imagination. Look, there's been cheating going on uh, with these sneaker companies, apparel companies, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I've never been a big fan of the summer tour AAU circuit. Um, the underbelly of college athletics in general is very ugly. And none of us are old enough other than, you know, if you check the Internet or have a very good memory of the betting scandals in general going all the way back to the 50s. Uh, with if my memory serves me NYU, the Boston College fiasco, um, of uh, a few years ago. Uh, there's a lot of shenanigans, and I'm being kind calling it shenanigans in college hoops. Uh, I think Patino's in a lot of trouble. I mean, a lot of trouble. Uh, I think Louisville's in a lot of trouble. I think Miami may be in trouble. Looks like Alabama hoops may be in trouble, may. All Auburn, may Auburn, Auburn Hoops, trouble. you
0: mean Auburn, um, Auburn Hoops. And I think
3: there are others. So, yet, yeah, when the FBI comes knocking on your door, the first thing you need to do is grab the phone and call your lawyer, okay? Yeah. Because you're in a lot of trouble, and it's going to be really expensive to get out of trouble.
0: Thank you, Ken. Always good when we catch up with you. Enjoy the uh, game tonight, and get ready then for all the uh, Big Ten over the weekend. Thanks, bud. Look forward
3: to it. We'll talk next Thursday, guys.
0: Thanks, Ken. There you go. Ken Silverstein, Big Ten Conference Insider, right here on the Draft House 50 Hotline. Trent, we got to get to a fast break here, right?
1: Yeah, we got to take the break. We'll come back the 5 o'clock hour around the corner. We'll be talking with Danny Davis. He'll give us a look at Texas, the Longhorn Perspective. From the Austin Statesman, we got Wolfgang stopping by, Mark Adams on college basketball. Lots still to come. Countdown to kickoff. It's Iowa State and Texas, 7 o'clock tonight. We'll talk with Danny Davis about the game next on Jimmy T C.